0: Thanks for coming on, Dana. Yeah.
1: yeah. Oh, thanks for inviting me. I've never been invited to something so trendy as a podcast before. <laughs> so. Haley and I follow oh. all the trends. We try.
2: H- no. <laughs> we're not very good at it, but we're trying.
1: <laughs> um, I really appreciate what you're trying to do with it. It looks pretty cool.
2: Thanks. Yeah, we're we're learning and growing through it. So thank you for coming to I Know What Number episode, episode 14 of our podcast. Wow. Haley, I figured out, I figured out why we have been getting confused and it's because we part twoed a couple episodes. So then we didn't mm. know if they were like the same episode or like a different episode. But according to the Lash Conventions, we're at episode 14. <laughs> so thank you so much for tracking with us through these 14 episodes. We're still brand new, but we're We're growing and we hope to keep reaching people and including people. Uh, Today, we have a very special guest. We think all our guests are special. Um, And today's (laughs) special guest is Dana. And before we get into more about Dana, we are going to do totally natural banter. And today's totally natural, (laughs) not pre-planned question at all, Mm -mm. is what is the best gift you've ever received
1: oh that's a good question I'll have to think of something recent because otherwise we'll be here forever as I weigh my options yeah so I mean um there's there's uh some really nerdy answers and then there is just some I guess give you a little bit of insight into just uh you know what I do when I'm not you know in a material science lab uh one of my favorite gifts that I've gotten for my birthday was a shop vac. Um, it's boring that I say that, but it's super useful. And I have a 95-pound husky mix who sheds a lot, so the the shop vac has been very useful, as well as, as during my uh, several home remodels that I've had to do. So it's been very useful gift
2: that is i think that's a pretty cool gift practical and yeah obviously it served a purpose in your life so that's really (laughs) neat
0: oh sometimes the most practical gifts are like my favorite gifts i so this also put me on the spot i forgot to think about my answer before the podcast like i sometimes (laughs) need to do (laughs) but um since you said recent i was i did think of a recent one uh jesus my boyfriend just got me he got this like little like picnic basket off of Amazon. It like is like a little backpack, but it has like little picnic utensils and, and like comes with a little picnic bas- bag or no uh, blanket. And yeah. And he's planning a picnic for us soon. So I'm super excited about that. Yeah. Um, so that, yeah, has been the, one of the
2: best gifts in a while, I'd say. I just love knowing, like, the little bit um, that the picnic basket, the journey that it's been on, like, I, it got ordered to the wrong address, and so it was lost <laughs> for a while, and then it got reordered. So I feel like the effort that Jesus put into that is, yeah. it, is even more special, probably. So that's, yeah, that's a cool answer. Thanks. Um, I've actually thought about this question in the past, and so I, I do have an answer, and I've received gifts like this, but I think this one is the first time I ever evaluated this. So I, this this one's my favorite. It's so when I was 10 years old. Uh, I spent about a year, very lame, watching Yu-Gi-Oh! And I don't know if either of you know what that is, but it's <laughs> not, a cool, not a cool kid thing. But I loved it. I love the show so much. And I talked about it all the time. And my birthday came at 10 years old. And my mom bought me a deck of Yu-Gi-Oh cards. And to me, it wasn't just something that I liked, but it was something that I didn't ask for. But it was so thoughtful because she was, like, paying attention to what I liked and what I wanted. And, yeah, I think that was, like, that's my favorite gift, those Yu-Gi-Oh cards.
1: That's that's an excellent answer. I love the... The fact that it's something that there is a, an extra layer of, of reading into you that, that it is sometimes hard for people giving gifts. And it sounds like your mom nailed it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. I have received a lot of good gifts in my life. But though, Haley and I talk about this all the time. Mm-hmm. Those are those are our favorite gifts, I think, when the person just listened to like one little thing that we talked about and we didn't say, hey, get me this. But then they yeah, they went from there and then they got yeah. it for us. So those are special.
1: But yeah, the, the, the shot back actually is one of those. I, okay. I, I mean, not 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 that people, you know, don't uh, ask their fathers for, you know, a shot back for their, their <laughs> I don't know, like 25th birthday or something. But, you know, I, I didn't. And it showed up. And I was like, hmm, OK. And uh, so I, I definitely can relate to that, even though I think the Yu-Gi-Oh cards in the picnic basket are, are a little bit uh Stronger on the interpersonal relationships.
0: <laughs> the way to my heart is a shot back. So,
2: <laughs> you go. No, you go. Okay, I'm Haley, and I'm Syra. We love learning. We love discovering, and we, we love, love talking. Learning. Are we experts on literally everything? Absolutely not. But how will we learn if we never start the conversation? So we hope you'll join us for this literal journey.
0: Thank you so much for coming on our show again today. Um, We are interviewing Dana Drake today. Um, I'm really excited to, I was really excited to ask you to be part of this because um, even though we don't get to necessarily meet in person all the time, um, and we've only talked to each other a few times, like through, you know, through calling or in person. Um, I am always very motivated to seeing you discuss what you're passionate about, um, even in those uh, short amounts of times that we've seen each other. Uh, Dana and I actually work at the same company, and she has helped me out a ton, giving me great advice and new ideas while I work on my undergrad thesis and just in general at the workplace. Um from work, I have definitely witnessed her being confident in expressing her ideas to the group, and in addition, uh, of course, working on really cool and interesting projects that help out our company. Uh, so now I will pass it over to Dana. I'll pass over the virtual mic um, so that you can tell our listeners a little bit about yourself.
1: <laughs> um, so I'm Dana Drake, as Haley mentioned, and I am by degree a metallurgical and materials engineer with a... Uh, a master's degree in material science. So I, I love things that have the word material related to them. Um, but uh, I, I guess, uh, so that's, that's kind of, I, it's, it's more than just like what I do for a job. It's kind of, um, I think always been a part of who I am. Um, I play the French horn and I actually, uh, I, I, did a report in high school where I had to choose something chemically related to, to satisfy my chemistry teacher's requirements. And uh, I was trying to spend all my savings at that point to buy my first punch horn for myself. And I uh, ended up with a horn that has three different alloys on it. So I was doing metallurgy and research into material selection before I knew metallurgy and material science was, was a good thing. So I, I find that really hilarious. Um, that that happened uh, because I was declared mechanical engineer for a long time Um, but I am really passionate about it for a number of reasons Um, number one it's ubiquitous and it's it's absolute. as I convinced my parents that this was a, a good major materials are everywhere everything is to use the phrase literally that Literally everywhere that materials are, everything is literally made of something. And so that was a a really cool idea for me just because it got me thinking, well, you know, why? Why is this made of that? Why is that not made of this other thing? How did this start being made? Why do we, you know, all of these questions? And uh, it's been a really fun journey trying to figure that out as it relates to both school and then my past. experience in in the workplace was doing failure analysis for the aerospace industry and so failure analysis um, can can be multifaceted and and is there's usually uh, definitely like a structural investigation component and then there's also a materials investigation that looks specifically at the physical items that broke and just try to test them and whether or not they were up to snuff in the first place and and kind of trace them through their history and so that's to me, it's, it's super fascinating. It's like being a detective. It's, you know, finding, finding out what things are made of. It's using all sorts of laboratory equipment. I think Haley can probably attest that I get really excited when there's lab equipment mentioned. That's kind of like my, yay! um, and so that that's been a lot of fun. I love what I do. And I, um, actually, uh, do some volunteer work where I teach it to high school kids too. And I've done that for the past eight years as part of uh, the materials professional society um, that that I'm a part of. Uh, they foster a lot of, of different camps. And so it, it's been fun over COVID because we've done it virtually and trying to teach someone how to do lab work virtually is all sorts of interesting.
0: Wow. I wanted to quickly ask about, so the instrument, did that like, in doing that report about the instrument, did that, like, did you figure out why there were three different alloys or did it have like yeah. a, a lot of purpose behind it?
1: it? It totally does. So let, let me discuss my findings. So 16 <laughs> year old, 17 year old Dana, uh, researching into the alloys by, I don't, I don't even think Google was a real thing back then. We were using different search engines and browsers, but um Uh, looking up the different compositions so there are three different hours on my french horn so this is unique in in, for a couple reasons but i'll explain why particularly just based on the or the i guess the design of the french horn so the french horn is the one that has the pipe that comes out and then twists and there's little finger dudes and then you have a big giant bell that if i were in this position you wouldn't see it be sitting down down here and so it is 26 feet of pipe, and there's four or three valves. So um, we think as an engineer, so there are certain components of this that are going to be under certain loads. So I'm holding it, I'm interacting with the, the handle piece and the rotor valves, And so those have to be a little bit sturdy. So those are actually made of a material called nickel silver. Those are also uh, plated a little bit differently. Uh, there's also a, a plating design where my palm rests because humans are corrosive, turns out. So um, then we also have the lead pipe, which is also made of that nickel silver. And then it transitions once it, it gets past the, uh, the main structural components into what's called yellow brass. So if you've seen, a, if you're picturing a trumpet or something in your head, this is yellow brass. I, I almost guarantee everyone just imagines yellow breast. It's the most common alloy used for brass instruments. But then my French horn, and I think this was a stroke of genius by someone, is designed to fit into a square case. So if anyone has seen a, a person carrying a French horn case, it is so awkward. You hit your knee, it like bangs out. Like I was so bruised during like the first, you know, five years of me carrying my, my case that at this point I was like, Oh wait, there's an option where it can be a square case and it's not going to just wreck my knee all the time. So I got the bell that screws off, and it goes it it fits it flat in the case. So with this, they in an additional level of um, utility, or I guess they could have a different property. So if we think of the the bell's purpose, it's purely to resonate sound. So if we look at something that is more resonant even than yellow brass we end up with what's called rose brass so it's an additional amount of copper that's added and this increases the resonance so this increases the tone quality uh, or, or the timber sometimes it's called so it it is three different hours i have nickel silver i have yellow brass for my you know 26 feet of pipe and then i have my rose brass bell and it, you can really tell the difference when I take off my bell. It sounds like a very, very cheap sound. but what do we know about copper things? Have you ever played with copper wire? Is it very stiff? It's soft. Yeah. yeah. Usually pretty soft. Yeah. And, and, and until maybe you work it and then it will actually work hard and then it'll actually become more stiff until it, it will uh, break. But yeah, it's soft. So you add more copper, you add more softness into your material. And I almost broke my heart, like the week after I bought my French horn and I was putting, I was unscrewing my bell and trying to put it back in the case and it dropped and it hit the brass latch that was on my case and just falling like four inches, nearly punched a hole through my bell. And so this is a, a really good example of materials collection and it's just the trade off between materials, properties and different items. So we wanted the, the better sound quality and, you know, frankly, it's just beautiful. I mean, apart from being really useful, so it's just a beautiful color, but it came out of price. Like it was really, really soft. I had to get it, get it replaced. Yeah. So there, there was reason for each of those alloys being in there. Um, so. But, and that's that's the case with with most things. If a, an engineer put any thought into designing, or a a designer put any thought into the final use of their item, they should have thought about what that material choice was.
2: Wow, I'm googling rose copper front horns right now.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, rose brass. So um, oh, rose brass. Yeah, okay, it, rose rose brass will be the better search term. Yeah. Huh.
2: Okay.
0: It's so interesting how we can talk about so many different like things with material science. Like I feel like I just learned a ton by just talking about a french horn.
2: That is pretty cool. Sorry I'm distracted because the workings of a french horn too are so like I mean like oh, like well. you just talked about like the pipes serve a purpose and you know play play a huge mm-hmm. role in the resonance and that's like so cool how they're so intricate and I'm sure every shape and every bend has like a, a purpose for being there and the radius of, of every bend has like a purpose. Mm-hmm. They're a really neat instrument. Well, I think that kind of answers the question that we were gonna ask you of what what excites you about material science and what got you into the STEM field. So that's really neat to hear. It's like you would never think you're just playing music, you know, you wouldn't really think that what really interested because you didn't like grow up to then become like a french horn player you are in material science so it's cool that french horn was like a catalyst for something else that is also very neat what is an impressive or impactful thing you've seen in your field so that kind of impacted you as a young girl so what has kept you in material science and what impacts you now being in the field
1: this is kind of a tangential story but i was actually not encouraged to go into STEM. I was told during math class one day in pre by one of my teachers as I was wearing my, my sweatshirt from the college that I had applied to, um, which is where I went. And he said, why are you wearing that, that sweatshirt? You're not smart enough to go there. I was like, oh, okay, yeah. So that guy nearly got a, a photocopy of my diploma and then nearly the second diploma as well. Um, but wow. that, like, that, I, I wasn't really encouraged by the external people. My parents, they would have supported whatever I wanted to do. A, a really strange, strange path, but um, one that, that fit me well because I would have been distracted if I'd gone to like a big school that had more options. Um, I, I would have probably ended up in one of the things that was inherently. One of, one of the things that I was I was better at uh, without trying really hard uh, but I'm stubborn and I wanted to I just I just wanted to try something hard
2: that's awesome that's awesome
1: Haley, is your mind a little bit blown by this
2: connection two episodes ago now we had a young lady who is an intern at NASA oh yeah and she like almost the same story had a sweatshirt that said NASA on it. And a young man told her she would never work at NASA. And she, like you, did not take that as an option and as an answer and then worked at NASA the very next summer. So I just, I hate and I love that, you know? Like, I just, I'm so tired of people telling us and women and each other that we can't amount to certain things, but I am so like inspired by young women and women who don't take that for an answer, and men who don't take that from an for an answer. And it's cool
0: that you were just like, I want a challenge. I just wanted, mm-hmm. I just want to do something that challenges me, because um, I think yeah. a lot of people stray away from doing that as well.
2: Right. Yeah. Especially as a career, like for for most people, they're like, okay, well, what do I like to do? And what do I already, what am I already kind of good at? And let me try to get a degree in it. Whereas you were like, okay, I'm kind of maybe not perfect at this thing. And yeah, I have no idea how to do it. Let me go do it for the rest of my life.
1: Yeah, that's like a perfect summary of, of what happened. Uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, I just, I picked something that I wasn't good at and um, I, I just went for it. And it's, it's, it's it wasn't easy. Um, it's was very, very difficult. And, you know, I'm still not as good at math as I, I want to be, at, you know, carrying around the, the, the title of, of, of engineer in my, in my lab title not a professional engineer yet, but that's another one of my goals is that I want to become a professional engineer in metallurgical materials engineering. So, um, that is, you know, I, I, I want, I guess I have a lot to prove to myself. Um, but yeah, but back to what you were saying about you hate and you love these stories where people like go just, you know, stick it to the, you know, person that, you know, the, the doubter or the hater, um, my my personal dream is that it won't have to be people that just have this this stubbornness, this like need to like just react against somebody telling them what they can do uh, to to really follow what their what their dream is. Because I have some brilliant friends who they they had you know similar experiences and they they took it for face value, and and I hate that. Because how great would it be? Like wh- how big a pool of, of really great engineers could we have, or great scientists and, and mathematicians could we have, if the people that were were good at it and liked it didn't have to stand up against you know somebody saying that? Like if it was okay for the for the meek or okay for the mediocre, like you don't have to be you know the the Katherine Johnson of, of math to be able to like succeed you can be you know somewhere in the middle because that's that's where where a lot of our colleagues are and so that's that's my personal dream is that uh, there's there'll be a a space for every every kind of engineer of course we want good engineers but you know having a larger pool will help so
2: I love that yeah no, that's, okay. that's great. Because like, what does the word good mean? Right? What do we mm-hmm. want that to mean to us? And I love that you said that, because that's kind of been the central theme for the past few podcasts that we've done. Because with the young lady from NASA, and then we had another um, young lady who is an astrophysicist. And she, they both kind of had the same, same theme, as you've just mentioned, the the girl from NASA had failed her physics class and then said to herself you know what like I really want to get into this internship I'm going to bring my grades up and really worked hard to get her grades up and was able Mm -hmm. to do that because she had encouragement and then the astrophysicist told us that one of the things she wishes people knew is that you don't have to be perfect at math There are so many different kinds of math and if you want to go into astrophysics You can kind of choose which math you want to do, whether it's statistics and and measure data. And she's kind of more calculus based. And so there's different kinds of options that you can do. And so you don't have to like look at math as a whole and be like, oh, well, this is too intimidating. I can't do it. And so she's using art now to encourage people that they can do physics and astrophysics. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Dana's clapping
0: right now.
1: (laughs) I I, I I love when things are interdisciplinary because things everything is connected. Math, art, everything. It's and part of what I, I love too, and I don't have any of my images, but if you're ever interested in just some beautiful images, Google the microstructure of titanium. Um, I'm doing it right
2: now. I was hoping yeah, you'd get into
0: so these pictures.
2: <laughs> I'm so glad you <laughs>
1: So it's, it's actually one of the, the, my favorite parts of what I do is uh, we get to look at the structure of materials um, by polishing them and then throwing chemicals on them, uh, sometimes very strong, harsh acids and strong bases, uh, and, and they will preferentially eat away at certain phases, and we end up being able to look at the structures of our materials. And actually, I have a funny story, or at least I think it's funny. Me and my friend at my other other lab. Me and a girlfriend. We uh, we had a, a game where we would buy clothes or like we would show off clothes that looked like microstructures. That was one of the types of analysis that we used to have to do in our old lab. Is looking at the microstructures on the on the scanning electron microscope. So we're talking thousands of times magnification, usually uh, one, five, and ten thousand times magnification. To look at little tiny phases of different nickel-rich material, and uh, to see if it if why it failed was because it got too hot. And so the the, the microstructures of materials are not only beautiful, but they're so informative. Um, they can tell you about the thermal history. They can tell you about the mechanical history. Uh, we talked about wire, like copper wire. If, if you were to get a copper wire and, and bend it until it got really really hot and it would get stiff it's called work hardening you look at the structure that you would see you would see a change in the microstructure from the part you didn't bend to the part you did bend so you, you've induced changes into the microstructure and you can tell all this that's so cool
0: so, um yeah. me if I'm if I'm interpreting it wrong, Dana, but I think you showed me a calendar that you had of micro yeah. <laughs> I thought that was so cool when you showed me that and you were super excited about, yeah, like the different micro-instructors. Um, how, inter- how beautiful of a calendar it was, I have to say. Yeah. It was a very pretty calendar.
1: It, and it's totally beautiful. So a lot of the, like, the companies that supply like consumables to, to make these, these images uh, like, the, like the polishing compounds and that kind of thing. They, they provide these. They have kind of like contests and stuff uh, where people submit their images and then they make their calendars out of this. Um, it was actually the contest about, you know, the best microstructure that it, just in general. I have a friend of mine, one of my best friends, like in material science, she is a fantastic metallographer. Like this is what she's dedicated her life to. And the industry books that are, that supply reference images for microstructures a lot of them are hers and there are they're like these people that have just spent their lives making these images and, and finding out what they mean and passing that knowledge along and it's, it's really cool
2: yeah it's, you've, it's you've got me on all kinds of tangents right now Dana I googled pictorial <laughs> um periodic table so I could see some of the elements like what they what colors they are and stuff so then I could look at their mm-hmm. microstructures
1: so yeah yeah it's awesome <laughs> <sighs> it's de- it's definitely easy to get sucked in, and and what's great is like you look around, you're like, oh, well, I have this lamp in front of me. It's it's made of steel, but it's it's not rusting. So it must have some chromium in it. So you like you can think about all these different things. they are like, it's everywhere. It's it's in the like looking at my closet hinge right here. And it's next nice to me. Like it, I see this coloring on it it's a protective coating that was applied so it doesn't doesn't corrode. but and you know same goes for you know I can look at a number of objects you know you can look at I'm a I'm, I'm metallurgist first but I do know a little smidgen about other materials but like the glass that, it, that we use for cell phones like it's a super awesome material and it's just it's everywhere but someone had to think and design and test and find out what it would do and what the limitations were, and then they put it into this magnificent use. Just like think, like so, my first cell phone was like a brick that had physical buttons. Like touch screen, no, that didn't happen. Uh, it was always like if it was a, a touch screen, it was uh, like a panel of something that had a button hidden behind it. So it was just like tricking you into thinking it was it was a touch screen.
2: Yeah. So I've seen some videos um, within the last year or so of them, like people bending and cutting glass for cell phones. And it just like defies all logic in my brain, because you think of glass as something very brittle, very hard. Um, And then just to see like even glass blowing to see people manipulate it in that way mm-hmm. um but i think like that makes a little bit more sense to me because i'm like seeing it being heated up and i'm seeing it being blown but I, yeah i watched a couple of videos of people with sheets of glass and like them cutting it for cell phones and that was like or tv screens and that was mm-hmm. like a very weird but fascinating experience for me because I really had not ever seen glass be manipulated that way and it really is counterintuitive to the way that you think glass can be manipulated so yeah that that made me think of that
1: really cool yeah and and what's cool is that even ear- our earliest ancestors knew about materials like so everyone says Oh, additive manufacturing it's new. Well, you oh know, yeah pottery like that's that's added. that's the first additive manufacturing. Um, that it's it's a, a complex material. they had to had to you know bake it to get it hard and then they changed the properties and they figured that out. Same with making knives out of flint. But, like they had to find the crystallographic plane that would fracture. And that's how they got sharp knives was because of the crystallographic structure of the rack.
2: Oh,
0: I didn't even think about that. (laughs) That's a cool connection. Yeah, that's so interesting.
2: Yeah, I think my only other like firsthand experience came from I made these parts for work and they are on a conveyor belt that's very close to a treater. And we had to anodize some of the parts because then, yeah, they get really, I don't know if corrosion is the correct term here, but they get damaged by the treater. And so you need the Mm -hmm. anodization of the aluminum to protect it from that, that electricity and those arcings. And so that was really like my only involvement in dealing with, I mean, other than just thinking like, okay, I'm making a part for this machine. And obviously I don't want it to be like, maybe a heavy product like type of material like a steel or something maybe I want to go with aluminum because it's lighter so when it actuates then it moves quicker and so stuff like that very basic is my understanding and my involvement in materials yeah
1: and and you're not you're not the only one so uh like my 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 other dream if I can just continue to have endless dreams here is that mechanical engineering students actually get to learn about materials more than just numbers in the back of the book. So when I was in grad school, I actually got to to sub in and and teach just a few lectures for for the class that I was the TA for. And it was a manufacturing processes class. And coming from a material perspective versus coming from a mechanical engineering perspective, it's totally different because it's like you are thinking about, well, how is it going to perform? It's not about, well, how does my, my material that I have influence how it's going to perform? It, I need it to perform like this, let me go look and see. I know this one property that, you know, it should be strong or it should not. It, it shouldn't melt when I put it in this environment. That's the one thing you like think about and you go and you find the material. And, and that's, that's the, the difficulty of, of really teaching like people outside of materials. And that's that's why honestly my my biggest takeaway to, to the students was, hey, you guys are awesome at doing mechanical engineering stuff. But you don't have to know all the stuff about materials. That's why they have materials engineers. So when you get into this into your career where you're designing these things and you're looking at putting apart in some kind of system and you're wondering, well, if I put it next to this material, is that going to make galvanic cell and is that going to corrode or is that too hard to put next to this other soft material is like gonna wear it away when you have these questions you find your m&p people your materials and processes people because this is what they do this is what they know and you can ask these questions and ultimately what you get is a better product working in the additive manufacturing space i don't know a lot about um some some of what goes on in, in the machine sometimes so i have to reach out you know i've reached out to haley i've asked asked her questions about you know what's going on in the machine when you're doing this and and that helped me do my job better. So it's, it's pretty cool. Um,
0: the only problem is Dana that, is faced with um, she's the only one, <laughs> or not the only one, but she's faced with like a, a majority of people that are like not knowing any, not knowing much about material science. Um, but I think that's probably what you probably like the challenge of it. I I guess um probably teaching people I, I- about and helping people learn about it.
1: Yeah. I So I found during grad school, I actually found that I really, really love teaching. And this is something that I guess I, I have started developing with, with my volunteerism at, at the camp that I do. And yeah, I, I truly get a kick out of it when, when I am able to pass on something and they remember it. And, you know, because I love learning so much. I just assume that everybody else loves learning that much too, which is really, you know, not true. I know that Somewhere, somewhere in my brain, but I, I'm always really optimistic that they really want to know. It's like, it's like that, uh, I don't know if you guys have seen the maybe where he's explaining about the whole plot with, you know, the male models being assassins and everything, and David Duchovny's character explains to view you know, this is why they chose male, bo- male models specifically in this very long monologue, and then he looks at him and he's like, but why male models? And he's like, well, oh, come on. It, it, sometimes that happens um okay. you know sometimes I sorry to choose a very obscure um reference <laughs> it, it's it, it's for for me it was a movie that, that that I really enjoyed um a very very silly type of comedy are you referencing so. Zoolander yes ma'am
2: <laughs> yes <laughs> I was just talking to Haley about that movie so I, I haven't total, seen it Forget them for oh, a second yeah. <laughs> we yeah, I was just trying to convince her. Have you seen part two?
1: I don't know.
2: Okay. I, I just think that's out. so funny because I was just trying to convince Haley to watch it. And so I'm very glad that you brought it up. And <laughs> I am glad is over.
1: <laughs> I, I appreciate it. When when I was a I was a resident assistant uh in college too, and whenever my residents would have their TVs on and you know that just turned to whatever movie channels the college had on ca- on its cable channels. Like if anyone had Zoolander on, like I stop the rounds. I'm not going anywhere. I just have to, <laughs> have to watch it, and it's, and it's weird because it it seems uh, it's it's a very very silly movie, and and I I think that's why I love it so much. if it's so ridiculous? But yes, um, I agree
2: for all the same yeah. reasons. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> back to our regularly scheduled programming i'm so sorry i had to like ask about that (laughs) it was like she's talking about zoolander (laughs) yes so when Haley told me that you would be coming on um i we thought of a question that we really want you to answer and we i definitely need you to tell us why because every everything you've said so far is very interesting and i think we assumed that it would be but I think it's been so much more interesting than I thought it was going to be. So I'm really excited to hear you answer this question. And the question is, which is your favorite metal and why? Let's do two parts. Let's do your favorite metal and then your favorite
1: material overall. Okay. I'm going to take a thoughtful pause here, weigh my options. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I have many favorite materials, but I'm going to choose one. And my, my reasoning is kind of, going, it, it'll be kind of familiar, but there is, um, oh man, but do I want to choose that one? There's so many good ones.
0: <laughs> I figured this was what would yeah. happen.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the best material, my favorite material for using during teaching is cake.
2: Did you say cake?
1: Mhm. So that's nice. the that's the best analog to materials, by the way, just cooking in general, cake. But I guess you did ask specifically metal, so I'll answer that question. Is is steel and and just iron in general. The reason why is because it is a system that provides us with a lot of different variants. So steel you can have the same composition but if you heat treat it slightly different so if you put it in the oven longer and pull it out slower or pull it out faster and crunch it with water crunch it with oil you end up with totally different microstructures and you end up with totally different behaviors so um, if we take for example just kind of a simple everyday object so like a like a, a knife you might use in your kitchen so there will be most likely the edge of the knife has been heat treated differently than the tip. It's the same material. It's one solid monolithic piece of material, but in order to hold a sharp edge and to continue to, to be sharpened, it will be a, usually a martensitic structure, but if the whole thing was a martensitic structure, it would be so brittle that it couldn't, like it would break when, when you were chopping something. So there's actually a, a through the rest of the material it's, it's a, a, a softer uh, variant of it so it could be uh, I'm not entirely sure but I think it might be the proletic structure so uh or or structure there's, there's so many different um variants of steel and it's it's because it's like it's it's seemingly commonplace and it's everywhere but there's still like groundbreaking research being done so I have a friend who just graduated with her PhD and she's doing, she was doing her studies on how hydrogen acts in certain really high strength fields. So like this material that we think we know everything about is still just coming up with like new facets of, of how it can be applied and how it can be treated. And uh, for from a teaching perspective also, it is just so beautiful because you can... So the structure oh man i have a poster in my bedroom i'm really eager to like it shows the phase diagram of the iron carbon system and uh it shows like if you heat treat it differently like what structures you get and so it has that appeal because it's the same thing like it's the same recipe it's the same batter for this cake and you just put it in the oven for a hotter temperature or you take it out sooner or And it it just turns out differently. You get these different properties. And it's just amazing that that can happen. Um, So there also is how cake intertwines because cooking is such a good analog for most material processes because it's thermal and it can be mechanical. Um, It's also tasty, um, (laughs) which is relatable to most people, uh, I find. They like food.
2: Dana have you looked Um, at cake under a microscope is that what you're telling us
1: so I haven't because up until recently I didn't have a micro I didn't have a scan so I didn't have a scanning electron microscope that could look at cake but now I do um it's an environmental (laughs) SM but I have looked at salt um which is a component in a cake a very small component usually only like a quarter teaspoon or something but it's still an important component, but yeah, salt is pretty cool. Um, yeah. One of my colleagues, uh, left some salt water. He was gargling for a sore throat well before COVID. So it wasn't like, you know, COVID uh, you know, yeah. contaminated or anything, but he let it, um, evaporate and then salt precipitated out. And he's like, Oh yeah, check this out. This is pretty cool. It climbed up the, the, the tea bag like string that was in there. So I, you know, got scraped it off with a spoon and took a DSM like you do um and so yeah
2: (laughs) I found an illustrated periodic table of elements where it's like pictures of each one of them I'm gonna put the link in the Mm -hmm. chat so you guys can see it and I've just made it my background so Dana what have you done to me (laughs) what have you done to me
1: I I have brought you to the beautiful side of the appreciating all of the stuff around (laughs) this
0: (laughs) oh I love that I love that perspective on material science, appreciating mm-hmm. all the little details in every single thing we see every day. So what is the best piece of advice you have received?
1: Probably, I see what you're going through. You're going through this difficult situation. Just, just keep on going. Um, you ha- you have what it takes to get there. You might be different, but you can get there. Um, so, yeah, I, that came. Yeah. From someone who was, um, I think he was a grad student. I think he was a TA, but like he saw how much I was struggling, but was sometimes amused more of my weird connections with things. And, you know, saw, well, your brain doesn't work like anybody else's brain in this room, but you make interesting connections. So keep going. Um, so yeah, it, it is, um, it it still holds true. And, you know, you can kind of take that piece of advice anywhere you go in life, not just in in the workplace or in school.
2: Great. Thank you. Okay. Well, in the spirit of material science, Haley actually thought of this question. Usually we get them off the internet, but Haley thought of this question I thought was a very good one. So the question is, if you had the Midas touch, what would you touch or would you make your what would you make your Midas touch other than gold like for example would you turn things into cake <laughs> <laughs> or steel so,
1: <laughs> yeah so the, the Midas touch is really an interesting concept because you guys know the full story yes yeah I don't okay know so I know the
0: full story but we might as well tell it for the listeners
1: yeah <laughs> yeah okay so so the, the whole story of, of Midas is he's he's this king in Greece and he is um, granted a wish, usually by some, some god. sometimes it varies in different things, but he, he did something, he, he earns a favor and therefore a wish. So his, his, his people were, were struggling, he wanted to be able to make his family secure uh, monetarily, and so he's like, well, I'd like everything I touch to turn to gold. Well... The story possesses, and he can touch, he he has a beautiful garden of roses. He goes out and he touches his his beautiful roses. And it falls, it turns to gold and falls. And I say, oh, I I didn't, I didn't, I mean, you know, that's valuable gold. That's great. And then he goes and he embraces his family. It turns to gold. And there's no way for him to reverse this. So everything he touches is turning to gold. But he also can't eat anything. Without touching it, so ultimately he's trying to feed himself something he can't eat, so he he, he dies of starvation, um, which Whoa. is not something that you think of when you think of like the the benefits of being able to touch something and turn it to gold.
2: Yes.
1: So what would I want a Midas touch? No, <laughs> I like eating cakes too much. I think that that would be a that but I couldn't uh, survive only on cake because we just give me sugar. I talk even more than than normal. So, you know, no one would like that.
2: <laughs> I love your practical, like exact yeah. approach to the Midas. We'll do, h- how about we do like the, the PBS kids version of it so that you could turn on your touch. <laughs> on and off. Mm, There you go. Yeah. You
1: can control. <laughs> okay. Okay. It. Okay. If I could control my Midas touch. So if, if we are not in the, the, Greek era of, of wonderful tragedy stories um, <laughs> my, my, uh, my Midas touch would probably be I think having I don't know water would be a really good one um, I, I, I really like. I, I live in a very dry climate um, I grew up in a very dry climate um i think about water like not being around for future generations a lot so this was this isn't totally bringing us out of the tragedy scenario but like <laughs> i would i would love to be able to you know turn turn something into water like uh, especially if it could be something that was like we had another way of disposing of. so if my mind of touch could reduce hazardous waste into something that was not hazardous, so we didn't have to totally end the energy chain. Like, that would be great. Um, I, I, I really, I hate that some things like uh, certain materials have a very short life. Like, we, we take certain uh, building blocks from the, the environment, and we make them into an item, and then the only way that that item will change is to burn it. So we can only capture that energy once and it's gone. Um, Whereas like recycling, for example, aluminum. In in normal times, an aluminum can that you drink a soda out of is an aluminum can in six months again. So everybody's recycling your aluminum cans also because there's a shortage because of COVID. So recycle your aluminum cans. But but steel, also very recyclable. So like metal is to have this unique ability of being recyclable so if I could turn things that that couldn't be recycled into something valuable like water for example or um back into a, a more basic building block that wasn't just going to be waste energy I think that would be be really good and I wouldn't and I could turn it off because this is the TBS version so wow. I wouldn't, wouldn't say.
0: I'm so impressed always by our guests' answers to these questions. Yeah, I was
2: like, what, what would I want to eat that I could turn stuff into all the time? <laughs> I was just thinking like, make everything fluffy.
0: <laughs> like everything's fur. And so everything's like soft to touch.
2: And Dana's like, I would help save the world. <laughs> no, that's an awesome I answer. Love that. Yeah, I love that. That's really good. Now now I feel like I'm cheating if I, because the only thing now I can think of is like maybe turning things into trees. Maybe that would be a good way, but it's still your idea. I loved your idea so much that I think, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think I would try to use my my Midas touch power for something like that now too. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Have you guys ever seen, um, there's this YouTube channel called, they have like a weird, they have like a like a, this name called, it's like, because stat or something like that. I can never pronounce it, but they also call their video, their YouTube channel in a nutshell. And they have these like really like, you do this like really cool animation and they'll do a lot of science to- topics, but they'll do some mm-hmm. weird topics that like, you've never even thought about, but they do all of the science behind it. And they did one on the Midas touch. So if someone actually had Midas touch, then like, how would everything turn to gold or if they did turn something to gold if they actually touched the earth and the whole earth turned to gold what would happen to the solar system like what would like Ooh. i'll have to link the video yeah um and give it to you guys somehow but yeah it's really interesting you definitely should watch it because it's like so so weird um
2: that sounds very cool Haley. So thank you so much, Dana, for coming. Like I said, I think Haley and I expected to be very interested by the things that you had to talk about today. But I think, I don't think we were, I was not as prepared for um, being being as engaged as you made me. You had some really interesting things to say. Um, I think it's one of those things where you don't really think about you know, it's, it's everywhere. You don't really think about it, but once you hear someone start to talk about it with such passion then you're all of a sudden noticing all these things and even more than you had noticed before. So I was really cool to go on this journey with you. Thank you so much for um, telling us a little bit about your background and your journey into STEM. And we, we continue to love stories. I think especially of people who didn't necessarily start with a passion for STEM and then they made their way into that world um, so yeah, thank you so much. And and for Cake for backing up a theory that Haley and I devised on a previous podcast that like so many different things are STEM that don't get considered STEM, like chemistry is in baking. So cooking mm-hmm. and baking are STEM in in you know, in a way. Yeah. So thank you so much for like enforcing that theory. We thank all our listeners for being a part of this podcast yet again. Uh, I don't know, do we have anything exciting up? upcoming Haley, i think we have some math ladies coming i think we've got some math ladies
0: maybe coming on the podcast um yeah maybe some other uh different maybe not specifically stem podcasts but maybe some stuff related to just like in the workplace environment maybe we'll get a little bit more into like dealing with sexism and all that stuff so stay tuned for that um, I also just wanted to plug uh, our literally actually links page again. Um, usually we link that in the podcast descriptions. And so definitely check that out. There's a lot of cool pictures on there. Um, there will be some more cool pictures um, on there relating to micro... Micron structures of titanium and <laughs> anything else Dana wants to send us. Um, <laughs> gallium. Gallium. And yeah, so stay tuned for all of those. Uh, thank you again so much, Dana. I feel like I could talk to you about so many random topics forever. And now I know a lot more about knives than I ever <laughs> thought I'd ever known. Um, <laughs> but seriously, thank you so much for taking your time to come out and talk to us. Um, we'll see you guys for the next podcast. Goodbye. Goodbye.